0: National anthems may be generally awful, but as we've seen, getting rid of them without a revolution is hard, and changing them, even to fix language that in any other context would be unacceptable or even illegal, isn't much easier. But imagine a perfect world where all the citizens of a nation agree their national anthem is dated, sectarian, sexist, violent, and needs to be changed. So, you ask the people to decide on a new anthem. What kind of song would they come up with? Well, we don't actually need a perfect world to create this scenario because it's happened. Welcome to episode 6 of this series on national anthems The Worst Songs in the World. My name is David Pate. I'm a broadcaster, writer and journalist in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Many countries have adopted national anthems based on competitions, but no one has taken it as seriously as the Swiss. That's the song selected in 2015 to replace the Swiss national anthem. A national organization that promotes Swiss unity felt the existing anthem was too preachy and rather boring. Which, to be fair, it is. It's essentially a Christian prayer, one that's been described as a biblical weather forecast with references to sunrise, sunset, storms, mist, and dark clouds. The head of the Swiss Society for the Common Good said the need for change was simple, because no one would write such a text for a national anthem today. So the society set out a list of modern requirements. The new anthem had to reflect Swiss values of democracy, fairness, diversity, freedom, and peace— as well as measuring the well-being of society by its weakest members. So they got new lyrics, to the same tune as the existing song, translated into all four official Swiss languages, plus English. White cross on a shining red, woven by a common thread. Freedom, independence, equality, open to the world and solidarity. Swiss are one in peace and diversity. There are a couple of things to note here. One is that the anthem competition was not sanctioned by the government, although it has promised to consider the new lyrics, but any change would have to be approved in a referendum. The Swiss are big believers in direct democracy, but aren't always in a hurry to accept new ideas. It took them until 1971 to give women the right to vote. So don't expect the new anthem to be officially adopted anytime soon. The other issue is purely artistic. The proposed Swiss anthem nicely captures the dilemma at the heart of national songs. In order to whip up the kind of fervor they're designed to create, they have to be passionate. They have to reference terrible fights for national survival, love for a homeland that transcends life itself, and a tribal sense of belonging. For that, you need the bombs bursting in air. The march towards victory. The passion of liberty or death. Somehow being one in peace and diversity just doesn't quite cut it. The message in the new Swiss lyrics is wonderful. But the delivery lacks the passion, emotion and connection that anthems are supposed to deliver. And here's my problem. I've been arguing all along that anthems are terrible and need to be dumped, or at least made nicer, so I should really be leading the charge on this one. But I just can't do it, because I recognize that people want to sing songs that connect with them emotionally. Yes, we need to get rid of nasty, militaristic, bloodthirsty anthems. But we need to replace them with songs that inspire and move us. Songs that come from the heart and aren't inextricably tied up with nationalist tropes and love of God and the military. The Swiss song just seems too nice. It's like singing a corporate mission statement. A better choice would have been to keep the music and dump the words. So if the direct democracy approach doesn't produce a worthy anthem, what else can we consider? The obvious approach might seem to be to ask someone famous with a track record of hit music to give it a go. But if there's one thing we know about national anthems, it's that they're rarely written by A-list musicians. Let's face it, musicians need to make a living. And there's not much money to be made from writing national anthems. When Uganda was preparing for independence from Britain in 1962, it announced a competition for a national anthem. The winner was O Uganda, Land of Beauty. The music was composed by well-known classical musician George Wilberforce Kakoma. Kakoma received a prize of 2,000 Ugandan shillings for his composition, worth less than a dollar in today's money, but he always maintained he had not signed away the copyright to his work and should be properly compensated. In 2008, Kakoma sued the government, seeking 46 years of royalty payments totaling around quarter of a million dollars. He lost his case. The courts ruled the copyright was held by the state. Kokoma was bitter over the lost royalties, but the family of the man who composed South Korea's anthem had more success. The music adopted for South Korea's anthem was written by classical composer and conductor Ahn Ik-te, but because it wasn't commissioned by the government or part of a competition, the copyright remained with the composer. At the time it was written, in 1936, Korea had more things to worry about than copyright ownership. It was under a brutal Japanese occupation. That was followed by the Korean War. South Korea was then ruled for decades by a military dictatorship. It was only in the late 20th century when the country transitioned into a democracy that the copyright issue with the anthem's music finally emerged. Onik died in 1965. His Spanish-born wife inherited his rights. In the early 1990s, the Ahn family started receiving royalties for the anthem through the Korean Music Copyright Association, which collects fees for public performances. The family didn't get rich from their royalty checks, Estimates published in South Korean newspapers ranged from 5,000 to 8,000 US dollars a year, but Koreans weren't happy about having to pay anything to perform their own anthem. The Ahn family was asked to give up their rights to the song, and in 2005, Lolita Ahn donated the copyright to the South Korean government. ¶¶ Maybe they should have stuck with their previous anthem, the same words, sung to a different and very familiar tune, introduced to the country by Scottish missionaries. At least there are no worries about using that music, or the original words... South Korea may have dumped it. Scotland doesn't seem to want it as an anthem, so it's there for the taking. Because here's the thing about anthems. They can change. Not all countries are obsessed with treating their national song as an untouchable symbol. In the past 100 years, Afghanistan has had seven anthems, starting with this one. And this is the current anthem. Romania, China, Russia, Austria and France – there are far more countries that have dumped old anthems than have stuck with just one. Of course, it usually takes a revolution to bring about change. But the reason people are attached to their anthems is mostly because it's just familiar that doesn't make it good lots of us have sung this song more times than we've sung a national anthem But if it was orchestrated for the Berlin Philharmonic with four of the world's top opera singers performing the lyrics in a language few of us can understand, then we'd probably think it was amazing. Unfortunately, I don't have the budget to make that happen. But repurposing a popular tune to draw attention to your new song is an easy way to attract an audience. At least it was in the days before copyright and royalty payments, which is why the US national anthem actually started life in a British gentleman's club before Francis Scott Key grabbed the well-known tune for his song. So perhaps that's the solution to the bad anthem problem. Don't bother trying to get a new tune. Take one that's already out there and a proven hit. But that's not always a guarantee of success. When Australians voted in 1977 on the song they'd like for their national anthem, they didn't pick what was probably the most famous Australian song ever recorded.
1: Once a jolly swagman camped by the billy-bong Under the shade of a culabar tree and he sang as he watched and waited till his billy boiled, you'll come a-waltzing Matilda with me. Waltzing Matilda, waltzing Matilda, you'll come a-waltzing Matilda with me.
0: And he sang... That came a distant second to Advance Australia Fair. And here's where it gets interesting waltzing matilda was picked as the song to be played during gold medal ceremonies at the 1976 montreal olympics so if australia had matched its gold medal tally at the previous summer games waltzing matilda would have been heard eight times and that could have cemented it in the national consciousness as the undisputed anthem but australia failed to win a single gold in montreal and waltzing Matilda was never heard as the flag was raised. And such small things are anthems made, or lost.
1: And he sang as he stole that young buck in his tucker bag. You'll come a-waltzing Matilda with me.
0: The truth is, it's impossible to pick a tune everyone in a nation will agree on. In some ways, Australia's anthem ambiguity was a good thing. For years, the government couldn't decide what song should represent the country. God Save the Queen, Advance Australia Fair and Waltzing Matilda all served as anthems at different events. And it wasn't until 1984 that a single song was finally selected
1: rejoice for
0: One thing is certain, anthems will change, regimes will fall, new countries will emerge, old ones will disappear, and people will need new songs. Or old ones, repurposed, ones the whole world can sing.